The person I most like to be analytical and self-deprecating with is my sister. She can take it. She tells me to reframe. Everyone could benefit from a conversation with her. She's who I go to when I need to dissect the hard topics that I wake up obsessing about. I'll ask tons of questions and she'll sister us through via text or wine or coffee. All useful vices since the Davy sisters are a strong cup of coffee. So come here if you can relate or need some sistering yourself. There'll be lots of laughter and a whole lot of reframing as we work our way through some of life's big and small stuff together. Hey, Nat. Hey, Beck. How's it going? It's really good. I made it here to get to be with you in person. I love a session where we get to like look at each other in the eyes. Your eyes are always so good. I did. I went a little bit like black with like a purple rim. I really have to go hard on the eyeliner when I'm staring into those Zoom screens with my students, I swear. I have to give them something. (laughs) (laughs) That's very generous. (laughs) It's like the eyes and then a mask. But that's, you know, it is what it is. Meanwhile, I'm on day five or six, maybe, with the same sweatshirt. But it's such a good sweatshirt. I'm going to wear it. It's the best pink. It is the best pink, isn't it? <laughs> like my my children are getting concerned, but I don't care. <laughs> okay, so today we wanted to reframe toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. We are reframing toxic positivity. Or at least remember? attempting to. <laughs> yeah, just, just that small thing. Do you remember what even made us think of this topic? Yeah, I remember that I was talking about some op-ed that had come out a little, I mean, I would say it's definitely like earlier on in the pandemic, but sort of maybe a year in. And it was written by a teacher who had published some piece in, and I think it was the Global Mail, but it could have been any of those. But the point was, it was a teacher who happened to teach at a private school. So that never bodes well for the public teachers out in there in the world. They just get really antsy when somebody from from the private sector tries to talk about education in any way to them because we're like, you don't know what we know. (laughs) But so this person basically was trying to, I think in their minds, reframe what the experience of online and hybrid teaching had been for them at that point. Certainly the online experience of just education. And everybody, like Twitter blew up. Education Twitter was so mad. And it was all about like, I will not have this toxic positivity bullshit come at me like this. Because basically they didn't feel like they wanted to feel better yet. That was sort of the idea. So whether this person with their kind of like, you know what, just keep a gratitude journal, maybe that'll help. You know, they were kind of small suggestions for a very large problem that I think got sort of culminated in many people's minds as like the ultimate example of toxic positivity of somebody trying to tell me to feel better when I don't feel better and your ways are not actually that helpful, which made me go, "Uh oh, I wonder if someone could imagine that of what we do here with reframing. Mm. That someone could say, well, reframing is how is it any better than that sort of toxic positivity stance? Where, you know, one just tries to, is one just simply trying to spin a bad situation into something manageable or okay? And is that, is that really nuanced? Right. Now, I think you and I would say yes, and we've got some reasons that we can share, but you could see how someone could 
take umbrage with reframing if that's how they uh, hear it. Mm-hmm. I think mom sometimes thinks that about reframing, doesn't she? Maybe. Or maybe that might be her first, her first go-to is resistance. That this is trying to slap on a solution? Maybe. Yeah. And I think you have a friend who has certainly been a little bit like, meh, I'm not into reframing. Mm -hmm. So there are folks, right, who are not going to align with certainly how I've tried to present it to us here. Right. Although it's kind of funny to, to say I don't like reframing in a way because isn't it? I don't, I don't want to see it from a, I don't want to see this thing from a different perspective. Well, that's what I would say. But I mean, who am I? Who am I, Rebecca? I am just (laughs) one voice. Okay, but am I allowed to say, still allowed to say that super, sometimes super positive people really bug me? Yeah. Because there was a girl. Do you remember when I was going to Africa on one of those trips? To Africa writ large. <laughs> what country did it was, you go to, Rebecca? It was, it was Mali. Right. West okay. Africa. Yeah. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> and there was a girl on the trip. It was on, it was through a church group and we were going to build an orphanage. Okay. Which. We can probably we can, all yeah, of those. We can, that's for another session. <laughs> Actually, I had a good conversation with someone about that. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and there was a girl on the trip. I remember in one of our prep sessions preparing to build the orphanage oh right okay <laughs> as we were who said i never had a bad day in my life oh wow and she really meant it and it bugged me even then at 16 i knew that, <laughs> that bugged me already <laughs> i was like how how is that possible at 16 i had had so many bad days i i think i have struggled with depression over my life and that okay. and maybe i recognized that even then but was she also 16 just curious or do you remember? Yeah, her being no, older? I think I don't. I think we were probably the same age. So but then she, I might have said life was going to hit her. <laughs> a you bit haven't later. lived yet, <laughs> but whatever. I can imagine that moment as being a little bit disconcerting for sure. But does that make me? Sometimes I think, I think back to that moment and I think, oh, am I a crabby or crotchety? I had to look up synonyms for grumpy because I was like, what is? Is it grumpy? Is this a grumpy part of myself? But. No. Is it, or is it just realism? I think it's realism. That's how I would. And we've debated this before. Yeah, we have. So if we sort of frame you as a realist in many ways, and I mean, I'm saying that of myself too, then I just think, I don't know. I'm feeling like it's not a big deal to sort of hear somebody else's positivity as an affront. Like, I think that that is reasonable. Sometimes. Yeah. To have that sort of response. Although you, we probably need to check ourselves too. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that there is something about being super positive or optimistic that is actually a good practice to just have in life. So maybe that girl, <laughs> maybe she took that forward. And honestly, maybe she's doing really well in the world right now. And I would hope that for her because who wouldn't hope that for somebody? Right? And maybe I was just being crotchety because I found that hard. Right. Or maybe because you hadn't found like the safest space yet to get to be grumpy in. If Does that make sense? Like Clifford talked about this one famous, famous director who he and I both said we were going to look up the name and then we forgot. So we have to come back to that. Hopefully in the show notes, I'll have the, the name for it. But it was the very famous sort of worker from Hollywood who made, uh, had like an avowed kind of um, stance that they would never speak negatively about anybody in that world because that world was so small. Mm. 
except with his partner. So that was his one safe space where he could vent. It wasn't like about, you know, it wasn't saying that he was ignoring those feelings of frustration that can happen with anybody, but it was, you know, he was going to be, he was going to have one person to make sure that it didn't spill out into other aspects of his life and then come back to burn him. Mm. So are you my safe, safe person? I will be that You and, and this whole podcast. <laughs> yes. yes, we, <laughs> the sister on family, will be your safe, safe space. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so getting back to that person for a second. in my So my friend who would say, she would say, she just would say there's no room for that kind of grumpy, realistic, even kind of realistic thoughts that I might say, come on, I'm just being realistic. I just need to air it. I just need to vent this. Okay. So I would say that she's not the safe space for that because she just doesn't agree with it. She would say that even putting those feelings out is is kind of, you know, perpetuating that energy that's really going to come back at you. So you're kind of doing right. harm to yourself. What do you think of that? Is that veering into toxic positivity for you? Maybe for me. For you? Yeah. I mean, I think that I remember one of my, um, when I was doing my master's, that one of the people who was like on my committee, I used the word authenticity as a part of my sort of initial draft of what I was talking about in terms of teacher teacher's care, like self-care for teachers. And I talked about like the need for authentic care. And he's like, what does that even mean? What is authentic? Authentic to who? And I remember just being so like, oh my gosh, dude, like this, I'm just trying. But he was so right. I mean, like, what does that really mean, right? The authentic, um, to, to truly be authentic with the self is going to, there's going to be like gradations of that for everybody. And so for me to call this person that you're describing, like that their sort of way of operating in the world is toxically positive because it doesn't fit with like my authentic interpretation of how I live in the world. That's dismissive of their experience. So I have to be careful there, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are all coming Because she's at lived it. through quite a bit. Exactly. She's saying, this is what I, this is how I need to cope now that she has this thing where she right. just, if a thought comes into her head, mm-hmm. that's not helpful for her. She just says next. Right. Like next thought. I'm not even, I'm not spending any time there. I'm just moving on from that thought. Right. And so for her, that makes, I can see how that could make sense. Whereas for me, that would feel very inauthentic because I think I do have I have certainly had in the past kind of like a tendency towards avoiding my feelings for the sake of trying to take care of everybody else. And then that has Mm. not turned out to be great for my mind or my body, right? I mean, like, I do wonder at times whether my issues with my leg and my blood clots and, you know, almost losing it and all that kind of horrible health nastiness could have been in many ways lived out in my body. You even said that you wonder if some of that tension came out from there. So just to say, from being too positive or trying no, to force positivity. No, from, from avoiding, from oh. avoiding thinking about things. So oh, I see okay. that to me is how that might pl- like the way that you've described your friend sounds like her version of that for her is one thing, but how it might have lived out in my body would have been different. Would have been avoidance. Avoidance mm. of just even thinking and feeling. And I, that didn't work out for me. Mm. <laughs> so I would say that the authenticity thing is needs to be named. Right. Like, what is it that is important for you? So what is certainly important for me is reframing 
you know, hard things so that I can find a way through them, but with nuance, like it really does become about balancing. And and you like to name things. And I do like to name things. Yes. 100%. -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The other thing for me is that I, this is something I have to keep wrestling with in this conversation is that I have, I, I worry about being or feeling fake. Okay. Right. Like this is a preoccupation of mine. Hmm. Like is, is, am I being, and I would have used the word authentic. So Mm -hmm. I have to maybe sit with that, but am I being like, if I'm too positive, is that being fake? Because I see a lot of sides to this issue. So for to just take the positive side feels like I'm not giving enough weight to the potentially negative side. But see, I think you just hit on exactly what for me is what makes reframing not toxic positivity. It's the balance. So you just said, if I just focused on this, I don't ever think reframing is just like Mm. the emphasis being placed on that word. If I could italicize it, right? It's not just it's and or with, or because, I mean, whatever it is, it's like, it's a, what would the grammatical term be for one of those words? I mean, like it's, it's certainly, it's a part of the whole. Is that a preposition? I don't know. Ask Clifford. <laughs> He's the one that used to teach business English. So anyways, there's like a, I don't know. That I don't know either. <laughs> Conjunction. Is that what that is? Okay. Oh my gosh. Mom, fix us. That's, <laughs> that's also for the show notes. But that idea of it, I think that that limitation being placed on the word with the, with just is not um, not part of the story for me when it comes mm. to reframing. I I really think that there's something powerful about the idea of being able to hold multiple things at the same time mm-hmm. in in both hands and looking at them and feeling in both of those hands. But I do believe that there's something about in reframing. I think that I'm trying anyways to give power maybe more to the hand that is holding an option through as opposed to the negative, which for me can often feel like, like a, like a stop sign Mm -hmm. or like a red light. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to somehow move through that. So that's where the reframe shows up for me. And I think it's interesting because in our, family we Mm. can we can get a little negative (laughs) yeah (laughs) which I think I feel like sometimes mom and I commiserate a bit together and I think I can see you I think I push back and pushing back yeah are we are we really gonna sit here and even though mom and I are probably like yeah it's we're just being we're just looking at something authentically right or all those things And I would be saying, and I think I, and I think it's one of the reasons why families can do so well together. I have to believe that, that not everybody comes at something from the same place because just because you guys might bristle at my potential reframing, just like I might bristle at your needing to sort of sit in the moment for a bit longer, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we aren't all useful to each other, right? We're all saying something that can help us, I would say, move through. Yeah. And you had also said, right, that you think negativity can create a false sense of intimacy sometimes. Yeah, I think that when people, that, yeah, I mean, so this habit. Well, certainly, can oh my a gosh, crutch in some relationships. Yeah, I think it can become a crutch in certainly, like you know, or if we're going to say relationship, that sounds more intimate than even what I would. I think initially, I was thinking like a bunch of teachers getting together. You will find that they will inevitably find themselves kind of bitching about things Mm. because there's a sense of commonality in being able to complain together. Mm. And 
I mean, Sarah Ahmed, right? That academic who left the academy. She has a whole piece of work right now that I need to read more of called um, A Pedagogy of Complaint. And I don't think that complaint is inherently bad either, right? That's what I'm saying. Like there's something to be, there's something to be taught and learned through the naming of pain. Mm. Is so, that what she means by that? That's where she, that's where she, that's, well, that's an angle of where she would go. So, you, I mean, you might really enjoy that work. And if you want to spend the $60 on the text, I'll borrow the it. The pedagogy from you. of complaint. The pedagogy of complaint. I can already, I can already <laughs> hear that I would like it. <laughs> but I think that, um, but I think that she would also, as a nuanced scholar, not sort of say, and then you stop there. Mm. Right. And so I think that the danger of the complaint is creating a false sense of intimacy with the colleagues who are not really known to each other. Right. Mm. They're not. The danger of that is that you can start complaining and then it just turns into a basically a it could just move really quickly to like a not just even a bitching session, but like a gossip session. And now it's just hurtful. Right mm. now you're complaining about your bosses. And what is that? really get you. I mean, like, it might be very human, but it doesn't get you very far, mm-hmm. especially when they're also human and all the things. So, I mean, I would just say that it's, it, it is a, I think there's a false sense of intimacy in those types of settings. And then probably even with friendships, mm-hmm. right? I know I'm thinking back on friendships and thinking, what were the friendships that I had that were based on kind of bitching or and have I had those? So it's something I need to reflect on more. Well, only because, again, if it's finding a balance between having like a safe space to vent in, which I think mm-hmm. is so healthy and necessary, but at the same time also, also not being like, not being so prone to that sort of like, cause I, I would sort of say it's a dragging down right? Like if I'm negative, then do I need for everybody else to be down there with me? Like, why wouldn't I want somebody to lift me up? Mm. (laughs) But if we're just all dragging each other down, what is, there must be power in there. Mm. Power in holding other people in the moment of negativity or pain or whatever that, I don't know, are we scared of healing? And then we don't want somebody else to heal at the same time. I mean, I think it could go down those roads. I don't know that that might be for another episode that's longer and more ponderous and thoughtful. But like, I do believe that because this is our efficient episode. This is our on, efficient episode on, on toxic <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I think that we this is probably one of those ones that has to be in a few parts, mm. and would be really interesting to actually have some some of the listeners sort of send us notes or voice notes to read aloud or to listen to on, on their own experiences of what they have sort of seen and lived out as toxic positivity and what, what, where it's different than reframing Mm -hmm. because enough people have listened to us talk about reframing that there, it must be resonating with some, Mm -hmm. right? So is it the nuance? And it would be interesting to find out where it isn't because remember we did have a friend who sent us an episode to listen to, and she was mentioning how this is basically unreframable. Ah, uh, right. Remember yep. that yep. the issue in that yep. particular episode, some, someone's wife had died. Died. Yeah, yeah. And tragic. Yeah. And I mean, well, or right now. And right war. now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just feel like this is war along in the globe, right? I mean, across wherever we obviously right now, the world is very focused on Ukraine, but I mean, we could be focusing on um, what has long been happening to the Palestinians. We can, we can focus on so many right? In Somalia. I mean, we've just got so much to name as just horrific. 
And I don't think that reframing is, is something to attach to war. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not ever going to go, well, let's reframe war. I mean, that's just lacking in nuance, right? But can there be something? And it's just tone deaf. Or- tone deaf mm-hmm. and well, just bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, can there be the, can the act of reframing appear somewhere in one's lived experience of those various pains? I would still have to say yes. Otherwise, well, the world's going to blow up. Yeah. Then the world just gets too. It's just too painful. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. My, the last thought I had was we had touched on reframing as parents Mm -hmm. and kind of allowing in these negative emotions, but finding balance. Right. Did you want to speak to that or I'll just tell my story? (laughs) No, tell your story and then I'll see if I have something to Okay, because I was, I found this, there was this funny moment between Simon, Violet, and I. Simon was in the basement, but he hurt me. Yeah. I took a Tylenol in front of her and I said, I thought it was being kind of funny. I said, I'm taking this Tylenol for my life. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Which I still think is funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then Simon, who was eavesdropping from the basement, said, oh, she doesn't need to hear that. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> and, I <thought> it was, <laughs> and I know you're probably on his side for this one. So just no, you can I don't know. It's but I, I just thought... Um, nuance, Becca. <laughs> okay, nuance. It was just interesting because he just felt that was too somber, you know, that don't put that on her is basically what he said. Don't right. put that on her. Right. Where I thought we were... <laughs> she was still kind of looking at me with... I felt there was a twinkle in her eye. (laughs) Well, did she like roll her eyes at you? Like, oh, mama, like that? Well, Simon interjected too quickly for for me to really know. Oh, okay. Okay. So then she was kind of waiting to see what my reaction was going to be to Simon. Oh, interesting. So I didn't want to make it a big thing, even though I could have made it a big thing. But but I just thought, interesting, all of our tolerances. Right. I mean, he has quite, I would say he has a fairly low tolerance for being negative okay although he spent 20 years with me and survived so it's probably increasing his tolerance (laughs) but he i mean it's really not his go-to he would really he would like to stick on the what's the what's the positive side of this right he just he he doesn't find usefulness in sitting in the 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 realism for too long he he, he wouldn't even call that realism like what would he call it he would just I just don't find that useful. But then I'm not even sure that that means that Simon is reframing. Sai, mm. do you think you're reframing? I mean, like, I don't know that that's reframing. That just might literally be where he goes. He doesn't go to... Or he's just such a natural reframer that he doesn't even... Maybe. Or you think it's not But reframing. I think that... I don't know that it's reframing. Like, does reframing if, have to be conscious? I, I think, for mm. me, it does. I think that I have to feel like I've seen where I could go in terms of sort of like a shadow side of some sort. And then I have to make a conscious choice to go another way. Mm. And that, for me, is how I understand the power of reframing in my life. Mm. So he might just be an inherently positive guy. And I think that that's why you guys have lived for 20 years in relative marital bliss. Because you obviously are... (laughs) Marital bliss. (laughs) You are two people who are different enough, but yet have... You, you see the good in each other's sides that work together for balance, right? I mean, if it is in, the, in a movement towards, if, if the healthiest relationships are balanced, then wouldn't that be a part of what makes it good? But your ability to reframe would be something he would no doubt celebrate. 
as you continue to get better at it, get better at yeah, it. Right. Exactly. I wouldn't say it's my natural inclination is to, is to not reframe and then wait until you help me. <laughs> well, but Becca, seriously, I don't Just think before it... we started this conversation, I said, I need to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that reframing was my natural inclination. I think my natural inclination for many years was to just not feel. Mm. I think I was just like head down, you know, and get through whatever the through was. And I think that that perhaps the efficiency piece was like, what was my go-to? Mm. And so it took a lot of hurt. And I mean, like it took health issues and a divorce and a, I mean, and a what? I mean, like I could have one kid and not more, all the things, the things that just were like a part of, that are a part of my story that I could go really sad, but I want to enjoy the parts of what I have been gifted in this sort of latter half of my what are we calling this now? Middle age, whatever this is, right? I mean, like my, my, my power years. <laughs> Didn't we call it that? Yeah. Our power years. I have You're to, trying to find, enjoy your power. I mean, you know what? Damn it. I want to enjoy my power years. That's exactly it. Yeah. So I have to find a way to be able to see what is real and then move towards something that will let me enjoy the, the journey. That sounds mm. so cheesy, but I really think that that must be it. So reframing is not, we're going to sum this up, is not toxic positivity if you're seeing it the way that I think we're talking about here, which means like living it out with balance. It doesn't mean avoiding shit. (laughs) It means maybe seeing it. From my perspective, it means seeing it and then either scooping it (laughs) or walking around it or whatever that, however you want to extend that one. Mm. That scatological metaphor. What does that mean again? Poop. Poop. Well, what's scatological though? Oh, that means, okay. Okay, just like when we talk about scatological humor, we're talking about poop humor. Poop humor, like body humor. Yeah. I wish Clifford was listening. (laughs) No, that's that's what it means. (laughs) I need a dictionary beside me when we do these podcasts. Thanks, Nat. I'm going to go away and think about that. And so shall you. And so shall I. I love you. I love you. Bye. Oh, and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. It would mean the world. Love, Sister Ons. Love, Sister